You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Today's message is entitled, The Power of Prayer. The Power of Prayer. And this is number 10 in Restoring the Soul. Number 10 in Restoring the Soul. And I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And for those who are Knicks fans, we start off on a good note because they won their first game of the playoffs, according to my watch. I wasn't watching it during worship. (laughs) I'll be in the doghouse all week. No, for me, always praise and worship is more important than any uh, sports game. And I used to not follow sports much, but Gideon got us into basketball and watching basketball. And, and, uh, and Knicks is our home team, New York. It's New York team. we got the Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets. If you don't know, first an education in New York culture, and then we'll get into scripture. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us. And I'm asking that you speak very clearly to us. And your word calls us, commands us to action. Not to just hear it, but to do it. So, Father, help us to be doers of your word. And I pray as the word goes out that your healing anointing would come upon each person. Healing, restoring. Do that work that you promised. Restore our souls. That's who you are. You're the one who restores our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And then we'll put our hands on our hearts like we do and just pray this out loud with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. In your precious name, amen. Amen. So now we're talking about the power of prayer. Uh, This week I've been translating James 5.16, and I'm going to read this to you. I, early in my Christian walk, I memorized the second part of James 5.16 from the New King James Version, which is the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And that verse inspired me to pray and devote my life to prayer. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, This is a fresh translation, uh, James 5.16. I'll zoom in here. And it starts off like this. Therefore, get it out into the open. Now, one of my goals in these translations is to bring out things that are often overlooked or uh, not noticed, but they're in the original version. This would be the Greek. And the idea when you're reading the Greek is is things coming out into the open, something coming out into the open. Therefore, get it out into the open among one another. Confess the sins and speak it out to God. 
praying for one another. That's the way to be restored. Great power is found in the prayer of the righteous person. Their prayers work getting things done. So I'll read that again. One of the things I want, to, want us to notice, or you may have heard it, is it says confess the sins. And we usually, we usually hear it as confess your sins. But I wanted to bring it out as the Greek says it, is confess the sins. Uh, of course, your is implied, but uh, that phrase there, confess the sins, it just stands out to me, and it sounds a little bit unusual. Um, but here, I especially see prayer is not just about our sins, our own personal sins, but the sins of the community and the sins that are in the nation. And so we're meant to get it all out into the open in uh, confessing our own personal sins, but also the sins of those around us. So therefore, get it out into the open among one another. Confess the sins. Speak it out to God, praying for one another. That's the way to be restored. Great power is found in the prayer of the righteous person. Their prayers work getting things done. So I'll repeat that last part. Great power is found in the prayer of the righteous person. Their prayers work getting things done. So today, we will dwell on the power of prayer and why we must devote ourselves to prayer. So we're going to dwell on the power of prayer and why we must devote ourselves to prayer. Are we ready? We're ready to get far into this. <laughs> That's good. Hallelujah. I want to be bold and say... Get an hour alone with God each day. When you close the door to the world and give the Father your undivided attention, you grow close to Him. And I'm especially thinking about a time where you give to God each day where the phone is off, where there's no distractions, and you're giving your undivided attention to the Father. And what inspires me to say this? Well, Matthew 6, 6, we know this classic verse. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We'll just stop there. Notice how it says, close the door. So go into your room, close the door. And here it's speaking of closing the door to the world, to the distractions that are out there, and giving the Father your undivided attention. And it's bold in saying, get an hour with God one day. I believe it's bold because usually the normal reaction would be, well, that's legalism. Well, what are you trying to put some unfair burden on us? But there's a reason why I say get an hour, one hour alone with God each day. Uh, because it's something that Jesus said, and I'll uh, talk about it in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
The other thing is I was reading an article today and it was saying life was so, I was reading an article recently, I was reading an article recently and it was saying life is so uh, busy, so noisy, especially with the phones and the stress and the people trying to get a hold of you immediately and all these things that everybody needs. And this is just, uh, it wasn't a Christian article. It was just a secular psychologist speaking. He said every, everybody needs an hour of silence each day just to be able to make it through all the stresses that are in this life. So the importance of being quiet and being silent before God. And, uh, but the good thing with God is if we're silent before him, he, that, that waiting, that heart of the waiting, he speaks into us and so it's not just silence as if we are in a a room where God is not there but God is there we can come into his presence (laughs) close out the world to grow close to God is my little saying and close out the world to grow close to God so it's critical that we close out the world so that we can grow close to God. And if we don't close out the world, and I'm talking about all the noise of the world, all the the pride of the world, all the busyness of the world, um, if we don't close out the world, it's very difficult. It's impossible to grow close to God. But then in growing close to God, then he sends us out into the world to be a blessing to bring his voice, to bring his word, to bring his presence. And this was a book that, uh, it's an old book now, but this is a book that influenced me. Dick Eastman, and he came to Long Island. I'm from Long Island, New York. And he came to Long Island and taught on this. He did this whole course and had a big impact on me. Uh, And again, we don't hear this said very often because uh, we're afraid of of legalism or something along those lines. But Dick Eastman, a man of prayer, calling people to prayer, wrote a book, The Hour That Changes the World. And in this book, The Hour That Changes the World, he gave practical, uh, practical points on how can you pray for an hour, which seems like, at first, it seems like, whoa, that's, uh, that's too difficult. That's too much. I know in my early walk, that's what I thought. Whoa, how am I going to do that? But he gives practical points here. This is a good, good book to, to read. So if you're not at the point of getting an hour alone with God each day, work toward it. This is my advice. Work toward it. Make it a goal. Why? We'll talk about why in a couple moments. But if you're not at the point of getting an hour alone with God each day, work toward it. It's not meant to be a condemnation thing. There's a reason why I'm going to say why it's so important to get an hour alone with God each day or at least substantial time with God each day, quality time. So why make this a goal? 
Remember what Jesus said to his disciples. Matthew 26, 40 through 41. Couldn't you watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So Jesus made this clear. His disciples were falling asleep in Gethsemane. It was the time where they really needed to be watchful. And, and it's brought out in two Gospels, this one-hour phrase. Couldn't you watch with me for one hour? So where I'm getting this from is what Jesus said, his challenge to the disciples. But it was more than just a challenge. He, it wasn't just pray for one hour for the sake of praying for one hour. It was watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation, so that you can be close to the Father and find your strength in God. So couldn't you watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The Spirit is willing. And here he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is willing. The Spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. So the flesh does not want to give itself to true prayer. But the Spirit is willing. Bless you guys. The Spirit is willing, and the Spirit of God enables us and empowers us to pray. There's the Garden of Gethsemane, the Olive Garden. What were the temptations that awaited the disciples when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane? They would be tempted to deny Jesus, to fit in with the world, to desert their Lord and one another. The battle to overcome these temptations was to be one in the secret place of prayer, even before they stepped into the ring of their adversaries' attacks. So the battle is always one in that secret place of prayer. It's always one in that time alone with God before ever stepping into the enemy's attacks into that boxing ring, so to speak. And so these were the temptations that awaited the disciples. They did not give themselves to watch and pray. And because of that, what did they do? They denied Jesus. Excuse me. <laughs> they denied Jesus. Let me fix this here. getting a little rusty, the uh, microphone. <laughs> so what did they do? Uh, they didn't watch and pray, so they denied Jesus. They tried to fit into the world. You remember Peter is like, oh, you know, I don't know him. And he's trying to fit in with the, the world at that fire. And they all desert, they deserted Jesus, and they deserted one another. They deserted Jesus and they deserted one another and they all scattered when Jesus was arrested and taking up his cross. Now all of these temptations, Jesus is teaching us that all, the, all of these temptations you can overcome if you watch. Watching is being alert, guarding. If you watch and pray. 
In the last few years, God's people have been experiencing another Gethsemane, an oil press. And Gethsemane comes from Gat in Hebrew, Gat and Shemen. Gat is a press and Shemen is oil. So you put the two together. It's an oil press. That's what the name means. And you may have heard that before. But in the last few years, God's people have been experiencing another Gethsemane. It's this oil press. There's been pressure from all sides and temptation to run from Jesus. There's even been a temptation to be like Peter and use our own swords, our own power to fight. Remember how in Gethsemane, Peter cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. I've mentioned this before. In, in the pressing, he went into the fight mode at first, and then after that, he went into the flight mode. So in this pressing, we go into a fight or flight mode. There is another mode. I'm going to talk about it soon, but it's, we see this with the disciples. They easily fall into this fight or flight, Peter fighting in his own flesh, and then after all the disciples going into flight. But have you felt the pressing in the last few years? Have you felt that pressing on your relationship, on your walk with God? There is that pressing, and the only way to overcome is through having that prayer, and, and a prayer life. And I'm going to be talking very soon about why pray, a new infographic. I'm going to show you, much like last week, we talked about why praise, this week, why prayer. But we're about to get to that. There's some oil. <laughs> In prayer, we go into a whole other mode, the mode of surrender. So in the pressing, we can go into a flight mode or fight mode, fight or flight mode, or we can go into another mode. And I've shared on this before. We can go into the mode of surrender. And this is what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. We know what he said. Father, take this cup from me, but if not, uh, but uh, if not my will, let me get it, let me get the words right. Not my will, but your will be done. If that's not possible to, for you to take this cup from me, not my will, but your will be done. Notice that surrender of his will. Not my will, but your will be done. So Jesus had a will, and he also had to take that will and surrender it to his Father. And when you surrender your will to the Father, it's like you're in a press, but, it's, but you're being pressed by him. Either we're going to be pressed by the world, and the world will... Uh, chew us up and spit us out. Um, or we're going to allow the Father to press us so that his sacred anointing can flow out of our lives. So the purpose of prayer, one of the main purposes of prayer is that we come to a place of surrender. And it needs to be a daily thing. And it's something that you cannot do just quickly off the bat as you're getting dressed for work, so to speak. You've got to give God time. You've got to give them space and time for you to surrender all the aspects of your life. 
And this is the example Jesus gave us in Gethsemane. He goes into surrender, surrender to his father. Not my will, but your will be done. Which also could be translated as not my desire, but your desire. Your desire be done. As you allow the Lord to break you, press you, break you, the precious anointing within you flows out of you. Did you hear that? As you allow the Lord to break you, the precious anointing within you flows out of you. The Lord's power flows out of genuine prayer. And that's why we need at least an hour with God daily is for that process to take place. Allowing the Lord, putting ourselves in his hands, allowing him to, his hands to be like that oil press. Well, when, we, when you're first saved, the anointing comes on you and uh, you are anointed. And that is a, it's a free gift. You are anointed by the Lord. But as you mature, he's wanting that anointing to flow through you. And part of the maturing process is that, that pressing and breaking, allowing, uh, surrendering and allowing him to flow through your life. Are you seeing this? So why pray? I have some reasons here why to pray. Why should you set aside time to pray every day? And why should you pray with God's family? Here are a few important reasons. We'll talk about prayer and why pray. Do I hear an amen? I haven't heard too many amens. Are we, are we saying, woe is me? <laughs> prayer draws you closer to God. So this is the first on our list. Prayer draws you closer to God. How can you know God more? How can you become one with the Father's heart? Through prayer. Prayer is not about getting stuff from God. It's about becoming intimate with Him. So often the mistake we make with regards to prayer is we want to get stuff from God and we use God in a utilitarian way rather than relational, being relational with Him. And really the first, the first goal in prayer is to be intimate, to draw close to him. And we see this in James 4, 8. There's this promise here. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Or draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I'll say that again. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Before that, is the surrender part. It says, submit yourselves then to God. After that, we know it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Many times we're trying to resist the devil without first submitting ourselves to God. But the power comes in, in submission. Submit yourselves. Meaning surrender yourselves to God. 
So we're not meant to submit ourselves to the devil or kneel to the enemy or the world. We're meant to stand against the devil, but we're meant to kneel before the Father in submission. But our ability to stand, our ability to stand, to stand strong against the devil, temptation, the world, and the pressures of the world, it all comes from submit yourselves. It all comes from surrender. And that surrender draws you into God's presence. You don't have to spend in your time of prayer, you don't have to spend time rattling off a whole list so I do have a list in prayer, and I use, you know, write down prayer requests, and I write down people's names, and I lift them up to the Lord. But the first thing I do is I focus on drawing near to God. And especially lately, I've been working through the songs of ascent, the pilgrimage songs. I'll talk more about that maybe in the weeks to come. And I've been just uh, meditating on them, translating them, and also trying to get them in my heart and let the prayer, the prayers of the psalmist become my prayers. And so I'll spend my time drawing near and focusing on intimacy. And then after that, the intercession. So being a friend of God and surrendering and pouring out my heart to the Lord. So prayer, why pray? Prayer draws you closer to God. So, yeah, again, I want to warn us that sometimes in prayer we can get into thinking of, thinking it, thinking of it just as business or trying to do business. But we need to think of it first as intimacy, oneness, being close to God, his heart, listening to him. Well, the second thing, prayer unites heaven with earth. And this is beautiful, and this is what we see in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So prayer is all about God's kingdom, not our, our, our own desires divorced from his will. So prayer is all about God's kingdom, not our own desires divorced from his will. Uh, prayer can sometimes become for Christians, a witchcraft thing where they're trying to control situations. And that's why prayer needs to be founded on surrender and submission to God. That's the foundation and intimacy. Uh, but in prayer, we can use it to try to get our own desires. And our, it's God's, the purpose in prayer is for us to lay down our desires. Now, it's okay for us to bring our desires to the Lord. Jesus did that when he said, Not, if possible, take this cup from me. But then he allows the Father's will to surpass his own will. Authentic prayer discovers the Father's will. Then you ask the Father's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the, the beautiful thing that God, the Father's will is that Heaven and earth are united. We get a taste of that as we're worshiping here, as we're praising. Um, that taste of heaven on earth. First uh, John 5:14. 
This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now notice it says according to his will. I'd like us to say that, according to his will. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. So again, another major goal in prayer is what is your will? And this is what we're praying for. And then, of course, we go to the Lord's Prayer. He taught us to pray like this, saying, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And of course, that's a threat to our own will. Because <laughs> as some wise people have said before us, God's kingdom coming means our kingdom going. It means that our castles come crumbling down for his kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So second, why pray? Prayer unites heaven with earth. Next thing is prayer empowers. Jesus said, watch and pray so that you fall not into temptation. And we find this in all the synoptic gospels. Watch and pray so that you fall not into temptation. In other words, if you watch and pray, you'll be empowered. Did you get that? I'll say it again until I get some resonation here. Watch and pray so that you fall not into temptation. So prayer empowers us to live right. Prayer empowers you with the Holy Spirit so that you can live right. And this is why you want to give God some time, not just do it quickly. You want to give God some undivided time so that you can soak in His love, so that you can be filled with His power so that you can live right. And in, early in my Christian walk, I was having trouble. I would read the scripture, and it says this, and then I would go out in my day, and I was having real trouble in trying to live out the scripture. I came from a non-born-again you know, non background, so I, would, I was born again, but I'm reading the scripture. I want to live it. I'm saying amen to it. I'm trying to live it, but I keep on falling short every day. Why am I falling short? The Lord began to teach me, you need to spend time with me. Start off your day seeking me, giving me time. That's where you're going to need power. That's where you get power from. So I was used to kind of the traditional way to pray before bed. You know, I started to go before bed. I would just pray, you know, thank you, Father. Bless this day. I bless tomorrow. You know, help me sleep well. Amen and go to bed. That's a, that type of prayer is a nice prayer, right? You know, you, but it's not going to give you the power you need to live a righteous, godly life. And so uh, the Lord started to stretch me, spend some more time with me, get to, to know his heart. And as I would do this, I would experience God's power. And then throughout the day, I had the strength to overcome the temptations that were coming my way. So prayer empowers you with the Holy Spirit so that you can live right. Through the constant prayer of the early church, the Holy Spirit filled them and his fire fell. 
So let's look at this. Acts 1.14. We, this is a classic scripture, but I want you to see the connection between prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit filling the, the disciples. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So that was their pattern. And then we can go over and read in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. What were they doing? They were constantly praying. And also we know from last week, they were constantly, continually praising God. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So here the fire fell on them. They became like altars on which the fire fell in the Old Testament. Like Elijah repaired the altar and after he repaired, Pared the altar, he put on a sacrifice, then he called on the Lord, and fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. Now the people become the sacrifice, surrendered sacrifice, and the fire falls on them. Tongues of fire are resting on them. And it says here, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that they were filled with power. Now look at 2 Chronicles 7, 1 through 3. We were there last week. This is Solomon's dedication of the temple. 2 Chronicles, if you're turning there, nobody turns in their Bibles, Bibles anymore, right? <laughs> because we've got the phones. But if you're turning there, it's before Psalm. Psalms, Second <laughs> uh, Chronicles 7, 1 through 3. When Solomon finished praying, notice what was he doing? What was Solomon doing? He was praying. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So here you see the connection between prayer and fire and power and the glory of the Lord filling the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, He is good. And his love endures forever. So here we see prayer and powers. This is why we should pray. Prayer draws us close to God. Prayer unites heaven with earth. And in the same way, prayer empowers. So my goal is to motivate you to pray. To show you that prayer is powerful. And because prayer is powerful, pray the next thing is, we've got three more things here. Prayer receives. James says, you do not have because you do not ask God. He's very blunt, James. Some people didn't want James in the Bible 
because he was very straightforward. <laughs> and also they thought he was calling people to works rather than being justified by faith. But we don't have time to get into that theological debate. But James survived. And, and James has a lot of good things to say to us. But he makes some people feel uncomfortable because he's just so straight in what he says. And here he says, you do not have because you do not ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God. In Christ, we have every spiritual blessing. So here I'm going to solve a little bit of a, a dilemma or a paradox. Here I'm going to solve a little bit of a dilemma or a paradox. Thank you, Anna, for your good parenting of Valerie. <laughs> we love you, Valerie. <laughs> In Christ, we have every spiritual blessing. So that's what we read. Yet to access our heavenly riches, we need to withdraw them through asking God. So here is the paradox here. We have everything in Christ. But if we have everything in Christ, then why is certain things not manifested or real to us or happening in our lives? And the reason, has, the reason is it's like a bank account. You have a bank account. You have money in the bank account. Imagine your bank account had how much? How much would you like in your bank account? 50 million. All right, 50 million, okay. <laughs> Say your bank account had 50 million. You're not going to, it's yours. It's in the bank account. But you're not going to have it in your hand unless you withdraw it. You've got to go to the ATM and punch your code in and, and withdraw it out. Or you may have to go onto your a phone and make a direct deposit or something like that. But you, gotta, you have to access it. You have to take a hold of it. It's the same way with God and the same way with prayer. Prayer receives. You access your heavenly riches through withdrawing it by asking God. And that's why Jesus says, ask and you shall receive. Prayer actively takes hold of God's promises. So you'll see this all the time with the saints of God who prayed in the, in the scripture. They're saying, Lord, you said this. Lord, you promised it. We're calling on you to do it. So you promised it. But Lord, we're calling on you to do it. We're standing on that promise. We're laying a hold of it. And this is, what, this is what we do in prayer. Prayer restores. How are we going? We're almost finished here. Oh, good. Prayer restores. Prayer is powerful. Turning things around. So in prayer, you personally receive, but it also has an effect on the environment around us. It restores us, but it also restores the environment around us and the people around us. Prayer is powerful, turning things around. Through prayer, God heals and makes things whole. He revives and restores. Look at how God used Elijah's prayers. So you go back to James chapter 5, verse 16. James chapter 5, verse 16. It was that uh, we started off with this. 
Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed or restored. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Then, James gives us an illustration. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So we see Elijah's example there, and then we can't forget the promise of 2 Chronicles 7.14. This is a good one to memorize. 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So prayer is even healing or probably better to say restoring the land. Prayer restores, restores the land. It blesses us, but it also blesses our environment. And lastly, prayer humbles you and helps you hear God. So here, I just wanted to, before I get into this, Bible school again returns tomorrow. Uh, I RSVP'd to see if There'll be enough people there. There's a few people away, but we're still going to be beginning tomorrow. So official announcement, we're beginning tomorrow. And it's the middle of the semester, but if any of you want to visit, uh, you're interested in visiting, come, come and visit. We got a bit of room tomorrow because a uh, few people are away. So that's tomorrow. Pray, pray for our time. That will be a, we will be uh, very honored and appreciate your prayers. 6.30 tomorrow in the city. Level 7, 117 Queen Street. So now back. What's that? Oh, there's cards out there. Okay, back. That was our little <laughs> pause. Prayer humbles you and helps you hear God. Prayer acknowledges that you need God. It's humility in action. So when you're praying, it's like, I need you, Lord. I need your grace. I need your power. Give us our daily bread. And when Jesus teaches us to pray, give us our daily bread, he's not just meaning material bread. He's meaning all a sustenance spiritual and physical, but especially his word is our food. It's humility in action. Uh, Lord, I need you. Help me. Pride says, oh, I don't need prayer anymore. But humility prays. Prayer is also much more than asking God for things. Instead, it's stilling your soul to listen to God. So I'll spend much of my time just asking God to speak to me, asking Him to open up the Word to me. Lord, what are you saying? And sometimes the Lord just wants you in His presence. And there's not so much exchanged verbally, but there's a being in His presence which is restorative to us and empowering to us. When you pray, read the Bible. I'm very much a proponent of pray with the Bible open and ask your Father to speak to you. So we'll end with these scriptures here. And then Daniel's going to share about his trip and uh, Daniel and Diane's trip. And 
one of the main goals is so we can support them and know how we can pray for them. So he's going to be sharing that in a second. So I don't want to take, take up his time, but we'll end with these few verses. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourself before the Lord. That's in that whole passage which says, come near to God and he will come near to, to you or draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. And then Psalm 119.18, where Anna did a great job teaching on Psalm 119 and giving us a great in overview of it. Well, Psalm 119.18 says, open my eyes. I'm still turning there, but I've got it memorized. Uh, Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Open my eyes. It's a prayer to, to know the word, to see wonderful things in the word. And then lastly, Psalm 143, 8. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. So these prayers, of, this prayer of humility and of needing the Lord and needing his word, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for, I, for to you I entrust my life. Amen. Amen. So prayer draws you closer to God. Prayer unites heaven with earth. Prayer empowers. Prayer receives. Prayer restores and prayer humbles you and helps you hear God. The chief shepherd restores our souls and the environment around us through prayer. Prayer connects us with God. And God is the one who restores us, making us whole. So that's the beauty about prayer. Prayer connects you with God, and God is the one who restores us and makes us whole. So are we ready to pray? <laughs> Father, we thank you for this great gift that we have, this gift of prayer, that we can come to you, that we can draw near to you through the blood of Christ. I'm asking that you would expand our prayer lives so that you would be more evident in our prayer lives. Help us each here to listen to you, to seek you, to seek your face, to seek that intimacy with you, to know you, to be close to you, and out of that closeness to pray, to intercede for our brothers, our sisters, those who are, are lost and they're going, we see them going straight toward the lake of fire. We see them on the broad way. Father, help us to pray. And Lord, right now we want to lift up this community here in Milton, that all around this community people would be saved, delivered, set free, Salvation would come into their homes. The people who play in the park, that they would hear you and know you. That 
we would be empowered to be your witnesses, Jesus. And we're praying for Daniel and Diane as they go out and they share the good news in New South Wales, that you would empower them, that you would speak through them, that you would bless them, that you would provide for them. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, also we take all the giving this week, all the tithes, all the offerings, all the giving online, and we give it to you that you would bless it and multiply it. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. Amen. Amen. I didn't take other tithes and offerings before, but if you want to give, you can go to brisbanefire.com, and there's a give page there, and you can give. And I'll send out a link if you're on the, uh, our text messages. I'll send out a link uh, today. So how do we go?